Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. shirts today and hats i don't put hats because of my hair but just kidding um no, but it's no, he's uh not. He's it, not it was an honor uh to work with him no one for all these years and i know how you know i don't know I'm, I'm you know i'm glad the quarterbacks went um you know and then you know there was a couple defensive guys but you know you look there hasn't been a corner taken yet um you know typically there's five or six of them taken uh, we're, i was trying to get one but uh, <laughs> um, but um, you know, so you know, people did you know, laugh there at ha- that. There's been a couple linebackers, but it hasn't been. Uh, you know, the draft is a little different this year. It is Mackie and Judd with Robbie. That was uh, Vikings GM Rick Spielman and Vikings head coach uh, Mike Zimmer. I'm Robbie Mackloff, along with Phil Mackie, Judd Zolga, Jonathan Harrison. Other side of the glass at 5 o'clock. We have a cram session coming up for you today. Jonathan asks us questions and arbitrarily hands out points and winners based on his own whim. There's no, there's no rhyme, reason, or logic to it whatsoever. It's whatever, whichever sound, way the wind's blowing in that. That studio. was really well put, Rami. No, you I won last like week. No, I'm not irritated. I won last week. But that's, I mean, you that is what like it is. is I'm it, on an is 0 for 8 slide right now. Over. <laughs> Maybe get better. I'm on an 0 for 8. Get better. I'm on. A, I'm in a huge slump, and let's just say I might be embracing it. That's coming up at five o'clock. But those guys were talking about the uh, NFL draft, which concluded uh, this weekend. What did you guys think about the the haul that the Vikings took in? Should I quickly run down the picks that they made, or do we all have a pretty good idea of what they did? Uh, get, speed through the picks, and then I want to give you guys my. It was it was mostly after the first four picks. I had an instant like. The the first take that popped into my head. All right, go speed through them. Garrett Bradbury in the first round from NC State, offensive lineman. Um, second round they went with uh, number fifty overall, Herb Smith Jr., tight end out of Alabama. And then they had a pick in the third round, number one hundred two overall, running back Alexander Madison from uh, Boise State, round four, one fourteen overall. Drew Samia, Samia, offensive guard from Oklahoma. Round 5, 162 overall. Cameron Smith, inside linebacker from USC. Number 190 overall in the sixth round. Armand Watts, defensive tackle from Arkansas, also in the sixth round. They had a whole bunch of sixth round picks after they traded down 
Uh, Marcus Epps, safety from Wyoming, 193 overall in the sixth round. Ola Semeke Udo, I'm going to go with that. Offensive tackle out of Elon, round 7, 217 overall. Chris Boyd, cornerback from Texas, round 7, 239 overall. Dylan Mitchell, wide receiver, Oregon, round 7, 247 overall. Ola B.C. Johnson, uh, wide receiver from Colorado, and another 7th round pick, Austin Cutting, uh, long snapper from Air Force. And my first thought after the first four, in which the Vikings drafted four offensive players and kept Mike Zimmer locked in the hallway until... (laughs) Until the the fifth pick was no more excuses for Kirk Cousins in primetime. No more excuses for Kirk Cousins against good teams. This is a dream. Uh, I, well, I don't want to stretch. If you're a quarterback in need of help and offensive line help and you're looking to add weapons, it's a dream for your team to put four draft picks, the first four draft picks, including a first and a second worth of resources into helping you. I mean, there's a lot of times where quarterbacks around the league, better quarterbacks around the league, are begging for help, either overtly or maybe just in their heads. And they and 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 the team comes out and drafts three defensive players. This team said, "Kirk, we feel you. You're struggling in big games. You're struggling in prime time. The offensive line's not helping you out. And we could really probably stand to get you at least another weapon or two, maybe even at running back, which they did with with Alex Madison." We're going to go all in on offense, the first four picks, and at least a couple of those guys are going to be impact starters potentially in week one, 2019. Go get it. That, to me, that's what it felt like. All right, Kirk, go get it. We paid you $30 million last year. Now we helped you out. First four picks in the draft. Yeah, and it's a year too late in the sense that they should have done this for him last year, and they didn't because the expectation was that he was just going to step in and be great, which clearly was a stretch, but... My feeling is I like the first four picks just based on players. Like, I have no idea if these guys are going to be good. But based on based on the strategy, to me, this was a common sense. We've got to do something here. Yeah. First four picks, let's do it. My next thought was, for their sake, hopefully it works. If this does not work, like if these guys step in and they're okay and not great or, or not good... Then you got problems. Well, but, because that, but that's the case got, with any sure, but GM. I'm, right, right. But the interesting thing here is, and the, the Vikings would deny this, but they would not be telling you the truth, is the interesting case here is these are very much picks that have to step in right now. Like ordinarily at 18, you'd get a guy, and if he plays great or good in 2019, you'd be like, oh, that's fantastic. But if he didn't, you'd be fine. But these are offensive additions that at least uh, two, if not three, but let's say two, Two of them have to step in and make immediate contributions and and are guys who you could only get through. This means because you couldn't go out on the open market and afford them underneath the salary cap. So my feeling, too, is from an executive standpoint, this is a a Hail Mary pass of sorts that you're going to get, that you are going to get these two guys, the center and tight end, and they are going to contribute as rookies. That there's no in-between of... They were okay. They need to step in and play really well. The, and hail, then, the hail mary pun there. You like that? You like that? That's good stuff, right? There. Thank you very much. And then another guard later. They got sure. They got them two offensive linemen and a tight end. I when I saw what they did with the first four picks, especially, I thought back to something Judd has been saying, and that's Gary Kubiak and his influence in that war room. I saw what they did in the first four rounds. And I went Gary Kubiak won. Like if there was. <laughs> 
If there was any sort it's of... like a Game of Thrones thing? There was a, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like a battle in the winter. Is Kevin Stefanski's head still attached to his body? <laughs> no, it'd be Zimmer, right? <laughs> or Zimmer. No, or Zimmer. Either no, way. No, yeah. offense. <laughs> I, thought Gary, I thought Gary Kubiak won when I saw what they did in the first four rounds. He came in here to coach offense, and he said... Again, if there was any sort of debate, if there was any struggle, if Mike Zimmer really was trying to get a cornerback, like he said in that soundbite we played, and he wasn't kidding, we all get the sense he wasn't. If there was any sort of struggle between offense and defense, Gary Kubiak and the guys on the offensive side of the football obviously won and had Rick Spielman's ear this year. Don't you think it's a pretty easy conversation if you're all easy on paper, I guess, uh, for Rick Spielman? when he says, all right, Mike, we're going to go out. We don't have a lot of free agency money. But if you really want Everson Griffin back and you really want Anthony Barr back, we're going to give you your tools that you're used to on defense. But then the trade-off is we got to supplement Kirk Cousins in the offense with the draft. So cap room, most of it's going to go to bringing your guys back, get that band back together. You're a defensive-minded head coach, one of the greats of the last 20 years. And so between having your guys back and your defensive acumen, that should be enough to maintain a top five-ish defense, but you got to give us, on the offensive side, you got to give us the resources in the draft. I'm not sure if he agreed or just got locked out of the room, but either way. Oh, line-wise, I'm mixed, because on one hand, with the the, uh, first-round pick, okay, that's great, You, you did this. On the other, it's been a long time coming. If O-line had been addressed previously here and there, I'm not saying on a yearly basis. I'm just saying occasionally. So you you sort of painted yourself into into the corner. So I hesitate to give them too much credit because part of this also is being done because it took so long. And, and I just I go back to last year's draft. If you had a dress guard then, there there was there was a feeling of pressure that existed because for year after year after year you didn't do this. Yeah. Can we go a uh, one, two, three letter grade? I hate letter grades for drafts. Just like just rip the bandit off real quick, just to get a feel for how everyone thinks the Vikings <laughs> the, did this the weekend. The immediate reaction letter grade. Yeah. Right. It means nothing. It's completely it's completely meaningless. We we we're agreeing to that going into this, right? But I think it's just a way to to feel out the room. How do you are you coming from like a D? Are you coming from like an A? Just your okay. general perspective. And let's stagger them so the audience can hear. All right. So, Rami, you say it first. And then on the beat after, I'll say my grade. And then so, so it should sound like bubba bum. Okay. So the audience can I'm hear sorry, all the again? grades. Okay? Jonathan, you count to three. On three, I'll say my grade. All right. All right. All One, right. two, three. B minus. A. B. Ooh. A. A. You gave him an A. And again, We'll find out in three years if right. these guys actually pan out. Yeah, but they get a they get they addressed their single most important need with a, a guy ready to play right now in Garrett Bradbury. So who, first round A. Well, I'm, let me go through. Okay. Yeah, because I don't think you can sit here and like, well, the, in the sixth round they did this or didn't do this. Sixth and seventh are all crapshoot. Yeah, it is right. And so, okay. like, well, they needed this and they like agreed. They needed a safety and they didn't do this in the sixth round. No, you're just you're literally just blindly throwing darts, right? Right. So they they wind up with with Garrett Bradbury. They wind up with a guy who, on paper, you can plug right in. Highly touted, he, he's recognized as one of the at worst one of the safest picks in the draft. At at the top end, maybe he's your All Pro center for the next ten years, right? Um, I loved the Irv Smith, the Irv Smith draft pick. Took some cojones too because you don't need a tight end necessarily, but 
to add another weapon that you can no. play alongside Kyle Rudolph. I would disagree. You need that type of tight end. They didn't have that. Kyle's not that guy. Yeah. There, there's a there's a misperception about Kyle. Kyle's a nice player, and Kyle accumulates stats. But this this dangerous pass catching tight end who basically can go out there and and replace Treadwell, which is what's going to occur here. They needed this guy, especially for this quarterback. Yeah. So, so fair point. I want to skip to Alex Madison for a second because I think that was the most head scratching pick. People were like, "Oh, wait a second. They already like some of these guys we see in training camp. The Rock Thomas. Um, remind me of the other guy." Uh, Rock Thomas and what's his name? The other backup that they, that we've seen a couple times. And, was it Boone? Uh, Boone, yes. And I think most people feel like, yeah, backup running back. If you do like one of these three guys is going to be able to emerge and be fine. Let's take a little bit of a deeper look here. And this is part of the reason why I give them an A, because on the surface, you'd say running back. But then when you dig a little deeper and you, and you look at why they drafted Alex Madison, according to Football Outsiders, the Vikings ranked 30th in the NFL last year. In power run success, which is the percentage of runs on third and fourth down with two yards or less to go. So third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two, that achieved a first down or a touchdown. They were one of the worst in the league when they lined up and it was third and two, third and one, fourth and one. You got to get two yards and a first down. And we all blame offensive line. And obviously that's a big part of it, too. But Alex Madison is that exact running back, a guy that you hand the ball to bowling ball-like physique and running style. And so as you fix the offensive line, you're also you're doing two things. You're, you're, you're fixing your short run uh, yardage game, and you're also accounting for the fact that Dalvin Cook is always hurt. We love Dalvin Cook. Yes. When he's healthy, he's amazing. He's never healthy. So I like that they went a little bit deeper than just surface level, which they should. I mean, that's what they do. That's what their jobs are. Uh, and so when I first thought I was like a running back, what? And then I started doing some digging, and it was like, oh, this is a huge problem for the Vikings, and, they, and they're trying to solve it right now with the draft. So I actually give them an A. They didn't need defense. They didn't need defense nearly as much as they needed offense, and they're telling Mike Zimmer and the band that's been together for a few years, go do the same thing, and we're going to load up on this side of the ball because this is the thing that's the most efficient. Did they have a choice, though? Like, to me, this was the only choice. After you saw what you saw last year, there wasn't, if they had gotten cute, I would have absolutely said, you're crazy. Like if they had gone, you know what, we like the center, but this linebacker is pretty good. I would have said, you're nuts. After what you saw, you, you were basically, to me, given a roadmap of your problems. And it was incumbent, especially when, when Barr came back, it was incumbent upon you to take the draft and at least try to address them. But did you have complete faith that they would? With Mike Zimmer sitting in the war room, I thought to fail to do that would be would basically set people up to be fired, because there's no other place to go here. But does Mike Zimmer get that? I think you had. I think when you hired Kubiak, it was made loud and clear. I think Kubiak came here for for an enormous um, amount of cash for a coach and promises. Like there's no way that that they told Gary turn Cousins around. But don't do it with additions. So there was so at some point in time for taking this job, I think Kubiak had to be given resources. I think he had to be. And if if he hadn't been, if I'm him, I'm not taking this job. So you guys both said B, right? I said B minus. B minus and a yeah. B. 
So, but I mean, but we're all like, if B minus is the worst of all of us, we're all feeling pretty good about what they did this weekend. So, what's the gap between where I'm at, which is bravo on paper, this is this is the most helpful thing you could have done for the guys on your team and your coaches to where you guys stand. Actually, it's funny because the reason I gave him a B minus is because of the pick of Alexander Madison in the third round with number 102 overall. And what I know about Alexander Madison, which I'll be honest, is mostly what I've read since he got picked by the Vikings. I didn't watch all that much Boise State football. I like the I like what I hear about him. I like the highlight reels that you see of him. But of course, you're going to like highlight reels. They're highlight reels, right? That's that's what they're made for, to entertain me and for me to enjoy. But, and and Courtney talks about this in her breakdown. She was on uh, Purple Daily today with Matthew Collier. You can hear that at scorenorth.com. They passed on needs there, including they could have they could have went and got another offensive lineman instead of waiting until the fourth round to do that because that was such a need. But you also had needs at cornerback. You had need at defensive line. That all could have been addressed right there. There were guys on the board who were who were better value picks at that point than than Alexander Madison was because when you look at Madison he was one of in terms of the first four rounds one of the biggest reaches in the draft if you look at the consensus big board he was 202 the number 202 ranked player in the draft and they took him at 102 his draft board value was let me see here his draft board value was 262. Right. And the value of the pick was 615. But this speaks to Judd's point, which which has been they drafted for this window right now. But I think they the, could have got him later or somebody somebody in his in his class later. Maybe, but what they what they said was and I mean I'm I'm sitting here and I'm defending thing. I don't know what their logic was behind the scenes. I'm just speculating that they said doesn't matter. Okay, so maybe we're reaching for this, but Third and two is one of our biggest problems as a team. Let's fix it right now. If they thought this dude can fix our third and two problem, let's not get cute or wait. Let's go down the path of well, they needed a cornerback maybe for depth. Mm-hmm. And so that might have been maybe that was the better value pick to pick a cornerback in that spot. Well, is a is a third or a fourth round cornerback going to come in? He's not. He ain't unless they trade Trey Wayne. He ain't starting over. No, your two outside guys. Um, we'll see what happens with Mike Hughes on the mend, but. I don't think a third or a fourth round cornerback is going to come in and play right away in the regular season, but Alex Madison is. Alex Madison might get touches. He might get five touches in week one in short yarded situations. So I think my guess is they said third and two is a huge problem. Let's reach for a a guy that has this particular skill set, even if there are better all around players. I think you could have probably got him in the next round when you drafted Samia. But again, if they... If they feel like he solves a problem and they didn't want to risk that, they didn't want to risk him going off the board before their next pick came around, I can understand that. But for where he was on the consensus board, and that theirs might not line up with that, and a lot of teams around the league might not line up with the consensus board that we're looking at <laughs> on draft day. Rick's like, oh, I got your consensus <laughs> board right but here. It just, se- it just seems like you reached for a guy who you might have been able to get around later while you still had needs, and there were players on the board who are worth the value of the pick that you were using there. So let's go through this because the question becomes who got what they desired as far as the draft went, who, who basically from one to three to me, this can be broken down pretty simply. Kubiak was one Kubiak clearly made calls. I want that guy. I want that guy. I want that guy. Now, what I really like is on Thursday, they never got cute. And we, we've t- talked about, should they have traded back and perhaps, you know, gone three back, four back? And I said, no, don't get cute. 
Identify the guy you want and take him. So to me, Kubiak is one. Number two, Spielman. Starting on Friday night, what did we get? Rick bailing back, bailing back, bailing back. More picks, more picks, more picks. And in fact, they got to the end of the third round and took that kid. At the end, after trading, I think, twice or three times. Yeah. Number three on the, uh, he got some of, of what he wanted and probably not a ton is Zimmer. He got defensive players just later. How did he get them? Because Spielman, who loves to trade back and he loves to accumulate picks, had 12 picks. But the most important person in this equation is Kubiak. And, and he was, he was basically handed three or four guys who I'm guessing from his film work and all that good stuff, Phil, said, I need these guys. Yeah. But I think everybody got something. It's just that Gary was one, Rick was two, because Rick loves to trade, and people were going crazy. They're like, hey, when's he going to stop trading? Well, he doesn't stop. Yeah. And Zimmer was three. But but Mike, a lot of times, has been a top down list. Some of this, too, it's so hard to sit here and say, because I'm looking at our, our Twitch comments, for instance, twitch.com. TV slash score north if you want to uh, watch our radio faces here in studio and uh, Colin Montgomery 14 who must be uh, must be <laughs> must be at the turn right now on some links course links at <laughs> oh, North so Fork many, or something so many comments I could make it he more. said Madison was a reach and Rami you're looking at the consensus board and and compared to where he was on the consensus board and but if we go back let's let this play out or let any draft from the past come up go back and look at the 2009 draft or something I mean, there's so many picks that were very clearly reaches because those players are terrible and didn't pan out. But then there's a lot of other picks that, wow, I can't believe that guy slipped to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Mm -hmm. So in the moment, yeah, if we look at consensus boards or Mel Kuyper, it's easy to say, well, that was a reach for those of us who literally before last week didn't even know who Alex Madison was, right? If I would have said to you on Friday, hey, the Vikings are going to draft, like you don't know where Kuyper's rankings are or what the consensus big board is, the Vikings are going to draft an offensive lineman in the first round, and then eventually and they're going to grab a tight end that sort of complements and can take over for Kyle Rudolph in theory, and they're going to draft a running back that they think fixes their third and two problem. We would have said, oh, cool, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll take that. But then when you start to line it up with, oh, what was the value of the pick? Where were they on the consensus big board? That's where it starts to get murky. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, you know, what if... What if Alex Madison is like the 14th best player in the draft? Then they didn't reach. But we, we won't know for three or four right. more years. No, but we can only go off what we know right now in terms of where they were ranked and where they were picked. And that seems not only like a reach on a guy who probably could have gotten around later, but a reach on a guy you probably could have gotten around later in lieu of players who were on the board who were probably worth that pick at areas of need. Yeah. Uh, three-fourths geek tweets into the show. <laughs> At Score North, at, at Phil Mackey. Just go full geek. Just go full geek. Yeah, why would you go 75% geek? What are you doing? Yeah. He says, dude, just do it. From a grade standpoint, would you have effectively flipped the Madison and uh, Samia picks and gotten a better grade? Let's say they drafted Samia. I don't care. No. In the uh, third the, round. No. No, I, I could care less. <laughs> okay. I, I don't care. And Samia was a good value for where they got him. So they almost do cancel each other out the, if, if you're going strictly by that. The interesting thing about this entire exercise and discussion to me is this. If this was an okay team, not great, all right? I think you might say, say to yourself, well, these picks seem a little bit odd. I mean, you're not really drafting for the future necessarily. But think about the corner into which this team is painted. And think about it this way. I think the first two days of this draft were entirely about one thing, next season. 
Yeah. So if this works and and in 2021 the back washes out, guess what? You might not care. Now, if this was about 2021, you might say that seemed odd. And I, I don't like the pick if this is about getting future talent for for years coming up. But this is a weird draft. This was a team, and they're not going to admit this ever, but this was a team that very much drafted for one thing. Kirk Cousins' second year here. Yeah. That's it to me. So that being said, you know, they always say you can't draft a grade, uh, grade a draft until three years later. Can we grade this Vikings draft in one year? I think is it fair to grade this Vikings draft in one year? I think it's incredibly fair to grade this draft through the first two days after next season. Yes, I do. But that's to that's that's to say that like Garrett Bradbury is more than just a next year pick. He's both, but he's incredibly important to next season. So yes, I I think as far as the the plethora of Saturday picks go, my answer to you is no, no idea. But I think it'd be very fair at the end of next season to look at this draft and say those first two rounds or three rounds, how did they do? It's an interesting question. I mean, I do think you can grade it on a curve that leans toward, yeah, how do they do next year? I mean, you're paying a quarterback all this money, your coach is in his mid-60s, and you write Gary Kubiak in to try and fix the offense to take advantage of a window right now. So, yeah, like to some extent, it's not your classic get as many picks as possible and hope it works out in five years. You'd like it to work out in five years, but leaning toward immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to chime in on your thoughts on the Vikings draft, 651-646-8255. You can also drop us a comment if you're watching us live or you want to on twitch.tv slash score north. Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL studios. Uh, Judd and I were kicking around some text this weekend. I did come up with a most popular twins pecking order in my lifetime. Okay. Should we do that when we come back? Absolutely, here? yeah. Because Williams Astadio is in the discussion. And see what you guys think about this. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is in the discussion for best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. I've got it ranked number one on my list anyways, and I've been going there since I turned 16 back in about 2001. Uh, The folks at Luther Brookdale Toyota, it's the best combination of friendliness slash family-like environment, expertise, and some of the most durable, best vehicles in the world. You put it all together, and uh, you just get a place that's... Once you go there, you're going to find out why there's no reason myself or my family have looked elsewhere for a long time. We don't have wandering eyes for other car dealerships and service departments. Uh, Stop in. Open until 9 o'clock tonight and every night this week except uh, open until 6 o'clock on Friday. Also open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And, you know, some of those guys, I know Steve for sure in the service department has takes on the Vikings. So uh, you can uh, you can talk some Viking shop with them too. Six ninety four on Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. dot com. Baseball, Len Perkins on baseball, baseball, Roycey on baseball, baseball, and the Score North Twin Show, an incredible lineup of twin shows. Available on ScoreNorth.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Baseball. Just search Score North Twin Show on Apple or Spotify or download the Score North mobile app. And he deals and a swing and a high fly ball to deep left field off the bat of Buxton. And that ball is gone. Second deck for Buxton. So for a second time in this game, the leadoff hitter in an inning jumps on the first pitch and hits it out. For Buxton, his first of the year, and it's 2 nothing Minnesota. <laughs> no. 
No, I didn't hear that right. Who all? What were all the Buxton predictions? I said he'd hit for the cycle this weekend. He had a homer. But. So two weeks ago on Write That Down, Jonathan said he'd hit a homer. He didn't. Last week on Write That Down, Thanks, buddy. I said he would hit a home run. He didn't. And then this just this past Friday on Write That Down, you said he'd hit for the cycle. Judd said he would not hit a home run. <laughs> And uh, all of us, he's made he's made all of us wrong. It's in, like he's listening and doing this on purpose. Wow! Do you think he's got the power to he hit a home run? Pun intended. Yesterday. There, thank you, thank you. Do you think he's got the power to <laughs> hit home runs or not I hit them? Have the power. <laughs> okay, I didn't get that. Skeleton. Okay, see, so you got you got me on all this stuff. So he made an impression. That's what that was. I feel like you went into that not 100%. Yeah, too. Kind of I was a little like, nervous about it. But that was the most effeminate well, He-Man I've ever heard in my you life. you got to go. If you're going to go, you got to go. I'll get the actual sound because it's way better than what I... I feel like if you're going to invest... No, 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 no. I feel like if you're going to invest in that line, you got to invest Easy. In we got a cram session coming up. You sure you want Do me a favor. While, oh, we're, have, while we're talking here, pull He-Man actually saying, I have the power, <laughs> and pull yourself saying it. Let's do that. And yeah. put them side by it side. It harmonize Juxtapose. really Please. well. Yes. Yeah. I'll see uh, what I can do here. So in honor of Williams Astadio, uh, La Tortuga Day a few nights ago, which la- which landed him on the disabled list. Oh, it was Saturday he got hurt, though, actually. I think it might have uh, I think it started with him started eating some La Tortuga La sandwiches Tortuga? and not stretching well. Rami what? In the dugout. Yeah, you guys did a Five Thoughts podcast yeah, we from did. Target Field. That was a lot of fun. And um, I don't know, I tweeted out just like he came in on La Tortuga night in the eighth inning and just rips a single to the place up the middle. Standing ovation. Like, dude great. comes in the eighth and he gets a standing ovation, rips a single up the middle. And I, I just sent out a tweet that said, I've been watching the Twins since 1990 consciously. This dude is one of the 10 most popular Twins players in, in your my lifetime. lifetime. So that's almost 30 years. So I bring to you guys a pecking order of the most popular Twins in my lifetime going back... 25 years. Well, 25 years of conscious baseball watching, okay? Or a little bit more than that. And I, this might be some confirmation bias here. You guys will have to uh, You guys will have to tell me. This just went out in my headphones, but I think, okay. No, I'm going to assume it's fine for the audience. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. Number, I went 15 deep on this one with four honorable mentions, okay? My honorable mentions are Brad Radke. I think he was mostly underappreciated in his career, and he gave up a lot of first inning home runs. So he mostly got made fun of just yeah, for like I would agree with giving that. up bombs. Yeah. But he was a really good pitcher in a tough era in the steroid era. Okay. Other uh, honorable mentions: Ron Coomer was a friendly fan favorite for a while, and uh, Trevor Plouffe for like a month hit home runs every night, and people loved to chant Plouffe. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of fun. I put Chuck Knobloch on the honorable mention list too because he was really good for a while. He's but- only an honorable mention. I don't think Chuck was ever wildly popular here. I think he was the best player on some bad teams. His rookie year, the the World Series year he was, but it okay. sort of disintegrated pretty quickly. I yeah. loved Chuck Knobloch as a kid. Couldn't even tell you why. He was just one of those players yeah. I loved. He got a little weird Because he was there. chunky. That might be he it. He was little and chunky yeah. at the time, and then his body changed. I wonder why. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Number 15, Everyday Eddie Gordado. Yes. Just cuddly closer. He'd come in, he'd walk the plank, he'd load the bases, Body go full changed. count. Right. And they brought they brought him back too toward the end of his career yep. and he he made a diving catch over the first base foul line on a ball that deflected off a Metrodome speaker and like Eddie dives forward on the turf and catches. Now just, that's a guy who should have a sandwich named after him. Did Eddie Guardado ever have a sandwich named after I don't him? I think so. No, oh, that's no. a shame. They weren't doing that at the time. 
Somebody should do that now. They would now, but they didn't then. Yeah, they only really had, at the Metrodome, they only had the Dome Dogs and yeah. like nacho helmets. It wasn't real creative for a long time in the Metrodome. Yeah. All right, number 14. So I, I based this off. The Edgar Gerardo <laughs> sandwich would make you think you're going to have a heart attack, but you'd stop just short. <laughs> Sorry to step on you there. I no. just thought of it. Okay. <laughs> it's worth it. Worth it. <laughs> I think we got a new, uh, new stand-up set here happening. Um, no, so I, this, this list is about, to me, in my mind, peak popularity. How popular were they at their absolute peak as a twin, okay? And that's why I put Francisco Liriano 2006 on here. Because for like two months, he was fill up the ballpark as much as you could with the Metrodome. So it was must-watch pitcher in, uh, in right. the American League next to Johan Santana. Yeah. Number 13, Eduardo Escobar. And how just like lovable he became in his last couple years. Number 12, Miguel Sano as a rookie. And that faded pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Number 11, Lou Ford's 2004 season where yep. he hit 400 for a while and Lou. 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 And he ironed his what shirt with it on and burned yeah. himself. Yeah, he ironed his shirt while wearing it. Yeah. Singed his I did torso. what? I think yeah. he had to sit out a game, didn't he? Yeah, I, he may have. He did what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you heard that right. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a thing that happened. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, his go- teammates all swear by it. Yeah, You'll you can find Google it. Lou Ford iron. I mean, I don't, believe, I don't buy the story. Oh, okay. I think something else happened. Oh, okay. I won't say what, but I think oh. something else happened. <laughs> that's fine. You come to town and cast stones against Lou Ford? Uh, and then I put Williams Astadio, La Tartuga, number 10 on this list. I thought he was going to be higher, actually. And maybe the fact that he's 10th and not lower is confirmation bias, but I put him number 10. Okay. And the dude gets standing ovations. He's like He's got 150 at-bats with the Twins. Yep. And his Instagram post saying that, you can look like me and do this too. Don't let anyone keep you down, right? And he's he's right. a dreamer, man. Number nine, Brian Dozier, and that started to wane a little bit when he got he just got complainy with the media and ripped the front office and stuff. But Brian Dozier was really popular. They had cutout cardboard cutouts of Brian Dozier and stuff. Uh, number eight, it's it's a, I'm putting aging Minnesota Hall of Famers at number eight on my most popular twins of my lifetime pecking order: Molitor and Winfield. Like when they can't they come back, St. Paul guys. They play for the Twins for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then they then they fade out. Number seven, Jim Tomey. Number six, Johan Santana. Number five, Justin Morneau. Four, Joe Maurer. Three, Kent Herbeck. Two, Torrey Hunter. And number one, by a mile, Kirby Puckett. Puckett, yeah. So, uh, of my lifetime, starting to watch Twins in 1990, Puckett, Hunter, Herbeck, Maurer, Morneau, Santana. This is based on popularity. Tommy, Molitor slash Winfield, Dozier, Astadio, 10, Lou Ford, Miguel Sano as a rookie, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Liriano, and Eddie Gordado. Anybody missing on that list, Judd? Not, or would you take issue with the order of the list uh, at any point? Not in Phil's lifetime. There's not. When, when I was a kid, they had a right fielder whose name, I'm not joking you, was Bombo Rivera. That's a great name. And anyone with that name, Bombo, is loved. But I'm, I'm trying to think. So on your list, Phil, go Bombo. through, go through, uh, take out the players who Sounds were... Like a circus clown. Oh, he was, and he was, and believe me, that outfield for the Twins looked like a circus at times. So, who who on your list would would be would be was possibly not a great player or good player, but was still incredibly popular? Um, well, Lou Ford, Escobar he was, was a nice player, yeah, but I don't think he was great. Eddie right? Gordado, Eddie Gordado was, yeah, a, he was a good reliever, tightrope guy though. He wasn't dominant, right? Yeah. 
Ron Coomer, yes, on my honorable one. mentions. That's a great one. This actually part of this conversation started on Cluster Fun this morning, our live video <laughs> streaming show in the mornings, and uh, we were going through. What was it the most like ten of the most ridiculous Twins yeah. All Stars? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, like Brandon Kuhlman Kinsler 90, was an All Star. Kuhlman ninety nine. Yeah, I mean he was he was having a nice season, but the fact that everyone has to have a uh, representative is absolutely crazy. And not, so ninety nine was glorious because it was right yeah. in the middle of the steroid era. Do you remember that game though in Fenway Park? Right, Teddy ball game is wheeled out. It's Tony Gwynn and Teddy. I do remember and that? Ted yep. Will and and McGuire, and that was just. Phil's right. Steroids, but it was also this, you know, Fenway Park, this glorious, all these future, at the time, you thought Hall of Fame players. And representing the Minnesota Twins, third baseman Ron Coomer. And it's like, Coomer? Is that you? But but Coomer Coomer was more of an all-star than some of these guys. I was telling Rami and Danny on Cluster Fun this morning. Remember that year where Mark Redman was the Royals representative? And And they go down the line and the camera... And it's like, you know, Lance Berkman and these geez, these, these amazing players and and they're going down the line and Mariana Rivera, yeah. Derek Jeter, Mark Redman. Yeah. <laughs> Whose ERA at the All Star break was five something, right? He's got a bag over his head. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it was, was like, like five fifty. <laughs> yes. But anyway, poor Coomer, you know, Fenway Park welcomes the best of the best. And Ron Coomer. I told oh, I told man. Phil and, and Danny on the on cluster fun today. I, you know he's now he's the color analyst for the Cubs. So yes. and to start every game, Pat Hughes, their play by play guy, he goes former big league ball player and all star Ron Coomer. <laughs> and until until Phil so and Danny mean. told me today that he made it with the Twins, every time Pat Hughes says that, I'm like, Ron Coomer was a solid player and a great dude. I've met him. Oh, he's fantastic. Very good color analyst. Yeah, he's, he's the but, best. How in the hell did he make an all-star game was was always what I thought, and I, f- I found out today. You learn something every yeah. day. So 1999, just to add a little more context here, Ron Coomer led the Twins in home runs that year with 16. Wow. The Major League home run list runs 125 names down until you get to Ron Coomer's <laughs> name in 1999. Starting at the top wow. with two dudes who hit 60, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, 65 and 63. Ken Griffey Jr., Rafael Palmero, Chipper Jones, Greg Vaughn was hitting bombs. You had half the league hitting 40 home runs, basically. But you know what? Like. If you go by my record book, which removes all steroid users, I don't even use asterisks. Is, is that plural for asterisk? I don't know. But if you if you removed all those guys like I do in my record book, Coomdog is probably like 20th in the home Actually, run leaders that let me, year. Let me get on this list. Just give okay. me a, a yay or an A. Are they, on, are they officially on your list or no? Okay. okay. All right. Mark McGuire. Out. Sosa. Out. Griffey. Uh, in. How do you know? <laughs> Look, man, and this is what people do all the time. If we have a smoking gun, then we have a smoking That's the gun. Theory. If we don't, I give you the benefit of the doubt. I have no reason Can to I believe question, Ken Griffey Jr. ever used PEDs. PEDs or no. How did Coomdog stop at 16 that year? How did he stop at 16? Well, I mean, how, he, like, how he, like he just chose how to do you stop? Not fall, no, but how, how do you not fall into Joe Montana? Fan. How do you not you fall into tw- How do you not fall into 20 back then? <laughs> Go look at the twins in the 90s. How do you not accidentally pop 20 out because of the metro? He wasn't sticking a needle in his butt, Judd. Like the rest of these guys, Coomdog was on the up and up. Coomdog was on beer, and that was it. <laughs> Hot dogs and beer. He was on the Baby Ruth diet. <laughs> Man, the other guy from this list. Uh, 
Greg Vaughn. Remember that guy? Yeah. Oh yeah, went to Tampa Bay. How do you know Greg Vaughn? <laughs> yeah, how, how is he's out? How no, is he's Griff, out. Was Griffey no, in, I think he was, Greg Vaughn's out. I think. I think we have. Uh, I think he was named. Dude, uh, he was named. Yeah, was he? I'm pretty he sure. Dude, Greg if, Vaughn. If not, I apologize. He's out. Greg Vaughn. On a public apology. 1995 with the Brewers. Okay. Uh huh. 29. Greg Vaughn hits 224 with 17 homers. Uh uh Two years later. He hits 50 bombs, 120 RBIs, and has a 960 OPS. Nothing nothing fishy there. The worst one, though. Baseball's hilarious in the 90s. The worst one, to me, without a doubt, though, Brady Anderson. Yes. It's like he came up as, I think he would slap the ball around the ballpark yeah. and had good speed. He was a skinny little slap hitter. And, and, he turned, and he had good speed, and then he turned into the incredible Hulk. 52 yeah. home run guy. Because it's Camden Yards. It's small. No. Let's take one quick call on this. This started with the most popular twins of my lifetime, pecking order. 651-646-8255. Hey, Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, Steve. Steve. You're on the radio, Hello, Steve. Steve. We're going to... Steve can call back later. Steve's got the... Well, I mean, he wasn't answering. He was speechless. You got to go. Big Brady fan. This is Big Boy boy Market Radio here. (laughs) Get those takes out. <laughs> Mackie and Jeff with Ron. We could just yell at you like Stephen A. Smith when his callers aren't ready. That's all it's fun. Cram session is coming up here. How contentious will it get? How shady will the judging be? Oh, super shady. Super shady. Another quick trap. Gush 94 eastbound over Minneapolis between 3rd Avenue and 65. 169 southbound, we've got a crash that's causing a 19-minute delay there near Eden Prairie between Anderson Lakes Parkway and Pioneer Trail, as well as a crash on 394 westbound near St. Louis Park between Hopkins Crossroad and Ridgedale Drive. Boys? I don't think that I don't think that gave us any momentum. I think, uh, if anything, that definitely uh, lit a fire under their group, and, you know, they, they ramped up their intensity after that as well. So, you know, I think both teams not worried about letting the refs get involved or letting anybody else get involved in the game. Um, you know, we're going to play this ourselves. And I think, uh, you know, that's the, that's the beauty of having us, us two teams on the floor. James Harden, this is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. Three easy ways for you to listen to Score North while you're on the go. The Score North mobile app, you can listen live and on demand via the Score North mobile app. That's available for Apple and Android. Type live.scorenorth.com into your web browser. Or if you have an Amazon Alexa device, just say, Alexa, open Score North. And she probably just opened Score North for you right now if you're listening. Hopefully. On a different device. That was uh, James Harden, like I said, after a 104-100 loss to the Warriors yesterday on a controversial non-call on Harden's shot as uh, regulation ticked away at the end of that game and the Warriors take a 1-0 series lead. The consensus seems to be today in listening and watching talking heads like us dissect this game and that call last night that Harden and the Rockets were screwed and that was a foul at Mm-mm. the end of the game there. Did you guys or you guys agree or no? No. He's kicking his feet out to intentionally force contact. Yeah. If 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 it's not a natural shot motion, I get that some guys will you know kick their legs out. Steph Curry, if you watch his shot, Steph Curry straight up, straight down. And James Harden has developed this sort of like Reggie Miller kind of did it with this like he'd kick his leg out sideways and get and get calls that way. Ray Allen was pretty good at doing mm-hmm. that sometimes. But if you take a shot and the defender goes straight up and still makes contact with you, it's you that initiated the contact. So I don't 
I hope this doesn't become a thing for the series because I want this to be a similar series to last year where it's just two teams that are revolutionizing modern basketball, throwing haymakers at each other, and instead we're talking about like, well, is that a travel or not on the step back? Is it a is it a foul on uh, the defender if James Harden's leg swings out? Like, I just want to see these teams throw punches at each other with actual basketball. And the rule that they keep citing is the rule that they instated after Kawhi Leonard had his season ended in, I think it was a round two series a couple of years ago, uh, game seven, and he didn't have a spot to land and twisted his ankle, and that was the end of his season and really the end of his time in San Antonio when when all was said and done. But this was not that. You You have to give the shooter a spot to land. You have to give him room to land because they don't want that happening to superstars again. But Tim Legler had a great breakdown of the play on SportsCenter last night and this morning. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he he literally shows you, he marks on the floor where James Harden jumps, where James Harden lands after he kicks out his feet, like like Phil pointed out, and where Draymond Green jumps from and where he lands. And Draymond Green barely moves forward. His feet go from one side of the three-point line to the other. James Harden starts like four feet back from the three-point line. He shoots. He springs himself forward while kicking his legs out forward and then complains that Draymond Green didn't give him a spot to land in. If you're going to give the best scorer in basketball more than four feet to get a shot off and land, you might as well not even defend James Harden. So I, I think we talked about this after I went to a Wolves game three or four months back. They need to fix this rule. This is this started with me getting frustrated. The thing I hate the most is end of a quarter or game approaches. Guys at midcourt, they literally throw themselves into the defender now to create a foul, and they get the call. I think the rule should be if you are deemed to attempt to create contact, the foul's on you. If you do, and, and I think it's very easy to see if a shooter is in a shooting motion that is genuine to making a shot or trying to create contact. Yeah, it would also prevent shooters from doing that if once in a while, even if it's sort of at random, they get called for a foul by kicking their leg out. And But can't we all else. see that? Like, to me, it's not that hard. If a guy if a guy's intentionally trying to create contact, I can tell. Yeah. So let's allow the official to call that. And guys are going up now with no intention no. of taking a realistic shot. Twice yesterday, I saw Chris Paul dribble along the three-point line towards the sideline and the defender crowded him and Chris Paul realized there there wasn't enough room for the defender to get out of his way between where they were standing and the out of bounds and just jumped up in the air and flailed his arms. The ball didn't even go in the direction of the hoop. And both times he got the call and went to the line for for three free throws. And then they're complaining about calls at the end of the game. Now, there is some research that goes into why the Rockets are complaining about calls that the Warriors get. First of all, they say that by their internal count from their video crew yesterday, and that's using their own judgment, not necessarily what the referees told them. They say that there were eight three-pointers yesterday that should have been called fouls in Game 1. And D'Antoni and Harden both say that at halftime, officials told them that they missed foul calls on four of the Rockets' three-point attempts. Why would you tell that to I them don't know. I, that's... <laughs> That's so dumb, I find it hard to believe, right? Interesting. That you would tell them that at halftime? Of- Do you want a, a sport, though, to, to have its playoffs 
And, and what should be a great series sort of established on, on the foundation of that was a foul, that was a foul. Like, I, if I'm the league, I don't like this look. But I really do think it's not that hard to go from a starting point of if, I, if I'm if i a referee and I can tell that your sole goal is to get fouled, so your goal is not to make the shot, the foul's on you then. Because then, yeah. then, the, then it's gone. Or you get, maybe there's, and maybe you add on, you know, some sort of flopping. Can you flop offensively if you're kicking your leg out like that? The answer and, is yes. And make that. And they and they had a major crackdown on flopping a few years ago. I haven't heard a lot about that in the last couple of years. Yeah, they, they were haven't like finding guys. They haven't really been enforcing it. Probably because Manu Ginobili retired. Right. <laughs> like, we, we're good. We took care of That's like half the now. problem right yeah. there. <laughs> he was half the flops. But really, I mean, did you guys read this article about the research the Rockets did about officiating the and the Warriors? So as last season was ending and after Game 7 of that Western Conference Finals last year, they started like digging deep for research. So they secured play-by-play officiating reports from each game from the NBA, which any team can do, and it's basically the same thing that we all see when that two-minute report is released, but it's the whole game, and they document which calls were missed. And uh, after the Rockets went through every line, tallying all the missed calls for each team, adding up the potential points that were lost along the way, the Rockets, according to the sources, had a double-digit point deficit in six of the seven games in that series. And all sources say they were harmed to the tune of 93 points in that mm. series. Game 7 was the worst, research showed, with the league-issued report indicating they should have had 18 more points. Wow. Wow. Well, if they would have knocked on a couple of three-pointers, maybe. Two of the 27 were... consecutive three missed three-pointers should have been called fouls. Okay. Well, I mean, you could just make one. You could just make somewhere. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, easy for us. That was my problem. Easy for Judd to say. That, yeah. that was my problem. <laughs> Collar fouled me constantly. I had no chance. By the way, Collar wasn't in the picture. We're lining. Okay, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd go with me there, Rami. Thanks a lot. Sorry, my bad. We're lining up a Score North Athlete Challenge Ooh. for sometime in the next couple weeks. All right. With a local wiffle ball league. <laughs> this is going to be just oh, With God, dudes who throw gas. Dude, I've seen on breaks. YouTube what these guys can do with the wiffle ball. And it is more ridiculous than what any major league pitcher can do with an actual baseball. Yeah. So that's we have gonna, no, that's chance. Gonna, no chance. It's going to be okay. awesome. No chance whatsoever. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question about it. It's going to be amazingly embarrassing. embarrassing. Be me. <laughs> on the playground. You want embarrassing? That's on YouTube forever. I like that you just stopped right after be me. Like you think that's embarrassing. Be, be me. Be me. Out of that playground. <laughs> Jacking up twenty. I think I jacked up twenty-eight. More than half of the sidearm. Cram session is coming up next. It's a debate. It's uh in some cases it's bribery. Who knows what's in store next? Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all new Score North and the Score North mobile app.